Welcome to No Challenges Remaining on night 11 of Wimbledon from Wimbledon. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by NCR's Spain and Sub-Saharan African correspondent. It's Timani Cariel of The Guardian. Timani, thanks for being on here again. Thanks for having me. It's, it's my job. But thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you, are, you have a correspondency to, to keep up after all, and you're doing that valiantly. So we appreciate that as always. Uh, we have not done a show since Middle Sunday when Courtney did a show. You and I did a show early, mid last week. But it was, we have a bunch to catch up on. Basically, all the fourth round quarterfinals and semifinals and set up for the final. So some heavy lifting here for us, theoretically. But we're talking relatively broad strokes. I think it probably makes sense to, to, to sort of bifurcate the men and the women. Do you want to start with the men or the women? Men. Men. Okay, sure. Let's start men. Men played today. The, uh, the men's final was set up today. Uh, which, after uh, Matteo Berrettini won in four sets over Ubert's Urkacz, and then in the next match, Novak Djokovic won in straights, tough straights, but straights, over Denis Shapovalov. This sets up a match between Berrettini and Djokovic, which I don't think is a surprising final. I think a lot of people picked Berrettini to make the final um, when the draw came out after his run at Queen's. Although, which is kind of weird in retrospect because it wasn't a great Queen's tournament, but for some reason that was a real, um, a real beatification of his chances and and he's, he's backed it up and he's looked really good i was impressed with uh matt during this uh this whole week and especially today i think actually this is probably his best match so far for me yeah um to, to go back to you know people rating him i think before the tournament you know there's so many younger players who just aren't comfortable on grass or haven't played their best tennis and he has shown that you know from a ve- like from the, his second season on grass, yeah. he was he played well in it, and so yeah, it's actually kind of it's not a surprise at all that he's in the final because I thought it would happen. I'm surprised that what I thought would happen actually happened. If, if you get what I mean, like normally something you know goes hey unless it's involving the the big three, yeah, some you know something always goes wrong. But he's kind of lived up to it, which is the, cool. And, yeah, I, I was actually, I was actually joking with his one of his, his new PR guy, Richard Evans, who's worked for. ATP, yeah. who you'll know, um, who um, I, I ran into him and Pete Holterman during the first week. I was on my way to watch Ostapenko uh, versus Kasatkina, so it was a second round day, I guess. And it was a third round day. I can't remember which round that was. Anyway, it was a day. And um, I was talking about Berrettini. I said, yeah, look, with Berrettini's draw, if it doesn't make the final, it's a catastrophe. <laughs> and apparently they found that very memorable when I said that. And so they said, apparently Pete and Richard were texting each other each day saying, you know, one other win, like one step closer to avoiding catastrophe. And today they successfully avoided catastrophe. So it's interesting with, with framing it for these guys, with both Berrettini and Shapovalov, I think, because both of them were really talking meaningfully and believing it, feeling that they could win this tournament. Like they were like, they're ready to like make deep runs here, to do well, to be like ready to contend. And something, about, by the way, both of them have been talking about it strikes me as different from what we usually hear from the big guys. But that confidence was justified, more or less, with the exception of the existence of Novak Djokovic persisting. I think Djokovic goes into the final as a big favorite against Berrettini. But Berrettini, I think, has plausibly as good a chance as anybody of beating him also. So, I don't know. Is, is Are the young guys getting closer or not meaningfully to winning, to actually holding a Grand Slam trophy? I mean, I mean, honestly, the, to be honest, the, the biggest difference is the older guys. That Rafa isn't here and that, I mean, obviously he, he'd been, his form away from Clay had been waning you know, yeah. clearly. 
Federer's 40 next month. So I think that's the biggest change. And obviously, I mean, these players have also improved a lot. Shapovalov showed huge improvement and played some amazing tennis, you know, especially in the second week, you know, against Batista Agu. And, um, that was I mean, incredible. Yeah. Also, I mean, to a lesser extent against Murray and um, and then Berrettini, who's like improving constantly. So I think it's a mixture of both. I don't think they've, I, I, I don't think they've gone become gone meaningfully closer. Just in the sense that like there are more opportunities, and I think the reason why they're speaking now is because they're speaking like openly about wanting to win the tournament. Because I mean, it would be kind of terrible if they weren't. You know, this isn't. You know, there isn't kind of the clear like barrier of the big three of having to beat two of them. You know, yeah. Because for a while, people weren't. You're right. Like back in like David Ferrer never talked about winning a slam, and he was in a final. Yeah. Like I don't think he ever thought it was within reach. You know, and like I think there is a meaningful difference in the sort of attitudes of the generations a bit. You're right. Yeah, the, the bar is lower when really it's only meaningfully Djokovic. Yeah. But Djokovic is still quite a bar. I mean, his his only set I believe only set he's lost to me right was the Jack Draper. Yeah. And the, it was the first set of the tournament when he was flipping and falling all over the place, and then he got that together okay. You know, like I, Djokovic is such an incredible manager of tournaments. Like he's so good at doing what he needs to do he's so economical about his tennis about his energy most of the time obviously there's some occasional blow-ups but like for the most part he's so good at peaking when it matters and being right when it matters like yeah he spent most of the first set again Shapovalov down a break and then he when he needed to he broke back and yeah. he got the set you know like and then you see it like 2019 final here against Federer like he loses you know, so he doesn't win nearly as many points in the match. I think, like, I don't know, 14 fewer points, something like that, in total in the match, a big number. But he, like, never made an error in any tiebreak. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's he. That's just, like, makes him so so calculating and so good and so, like, tough to, yeah. to beat because he feels he, he's just, like, pulling all the strings out there yeah. a lot of times. And, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm speaking, stating the obvious here, but to me, he's the most clutch player in, in his history of tennis. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, to, for example, today against... Um, Shapovalov, like as you said, like for the most of the first set, Shapovalov was. I mean, he he won fifteen consecutive service points, and most of them were just like service winners. Djokovic wasn't reading his serve, or even like there's some that like were just not placed well, and Djokovic just wasn't couldn't get a racket on it. Was and then suddenly at four five, he just made like two incredible returns at the beginning of the game, and then yeah. you know he just focuses and he just has that crazy ability to do it when it's the moment. It's when he needs to, and that's not not everyone can do that. Not everyone. One person who couldn't win points much was Roger Federer down the stretch of his quarterfinal loss to Hubert Hercatch. Uh, this was not necessarily shocking, shocking that Federer could lose to Hercatch, who's obviously a good player, Miami champion. But the way in which he lost was sort of like wow, because the end of the, the second half of this match went real fast. Well, second, third set because the second set was a tiebreak, right? So like it was three, six, and no, like. That third set was very possibly the worst set of Roger Federer's career. And it went just, like, so quickly. Like, he was... Obviously, Hergatch played pretty well. But, like, it was just going so fast. And you would think there'd be some sort of, like... I don't know. Like, second wind or something you get when, like... When you when there's all this thought in everyone's mind. Honestly, this could be your last Wimbledon. When you're Roger Federer to go out like that... I'm not saying this, is like, diminishes his legacy on any level. But, like... It was kind of a thud of an exit for him here in what had otherwise been a pretty good tournament for him. 
you know, but like, yeah, that was, that was weird to watch. You know, just the crowd was like, it was kind of the same thing for Hercatch a little bit against Berrettini because there was a stretch where Hercatch wasn't winning games at all yeah. in the middle of that match. And the, the crowd just had this sort of like pleading, like, please win a game, like type clapping it does here. And they didn't get it with Federer and they eventually got it with, with Hercatch actually. They pulled him back into that match and he won the third set. Um, <laughs> as Shaggy plays in the background. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, as they're cleaning up court one where we are here. But, uh, yeah, what did you make of Federer's exit here? Yeah, it, it was just kind of funny how... I don't, the music is funny. <laughs> it, uh, it was just crazy how, you know, for, for two sets, he was actually fighting. You know, he was fighting hard. And, and you could tell, you know, he, he struggled badly with his forehand and his timing. It was a really windy day. And, and Djokovic said after that, the conditions were some of the windiest he's yeah. faced here. And, you know, he was struck. He could not, like, it got to a point where he couldn't put a forehand in but it was, just, it was crazy to see in the tie break when obviously he was trying to fight back and then he slipped and then that just you know he so he slipped on he, he set i think he was down two three set up a really good point came to the net had an easy volley then slipped on it and that just you know that was it that's all folks and then yes sorry and then by by the end the third set it was just there wasn't much resistance and it just seemed to get you know you're waiting for it him to find some rhythm on his forehand to, to hold serve, you know, once, but it just seemed it just got tougher and tougher. I wonder how much of that was him knowing that he was gonna have to come back from two sets down and win a best of five from that level, and he's just like, I'm I'm an old man, I can't do this anymore. Like that's like you know, you can think the same way about match management for these guys, whether it's like Murray, like from Murray from like two sets down, is he gonna win many matches? Probably not. I mean, Murray did win a five setter against Oscar Otta. Um, the first week, but you know, like, yeah, I think these guys have, sort of have to have to be realistic in a little bit. And Federer actually has had, had not a great five set record in a lot of in his recent years, period, and even before this most recent comeback. I don't know. I mean, like, I just thought it was a weird way to go out. He says he doesn't know if he'll be back or not. Obviously, he's still sort of playing it by ear, he says, at least out loud. Um, we don't know if he's going to play the Olympics yet. That's not confirmed. Although, we do know now there's going to be no um, fans at the Olympics in the stadium, which is going to be dissuading for a lot of players, including Federer and Djokovic. Who yeah. are still on the list? We can talk about Olympics at a later date because I think yeah. there's still Wimbledon's going on here. But like, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you yeah. think this was the last time we saw Roger at Wimbledon? Maybe not. I, I'm, I, I mean, I don't. He doesn't know, so I, I don't know. But I, I do think. Good answer. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a good answer. Yeah, because I mean, I, I genuinely believe him when he says he doesn't know. But I, I think it's just I do. I'm actually kind of interested and fascinated by this kind of mortal period of Federer's career where. I mean, thinking back to Haller when he was kind of so, so kind of, kind of checked out mentally, and then after the, I mean, we talked about this in the last one, just how upset he was, and how, I think he, naturally, he's Roger Federer. He he probably even at 39, he probably envisioned kind of that, this wouldn't, you know, or he hoped that, you know, this wouldn't happen to an extent. You know, losing in a quarterfinal is a great, you know, if you think about it, it's it's a good result and. And he, he played some great tennis to get even, you know, to, to get to this round. And for at 39 years old, it's an achievement. But it's, it's I mean, it's similar with Murray. Like, you, you make these strides and then you hit a wall so severely and it just takes the wind out. What's weird about the Federal wall, though, is the Federal wall seems mental. Like, it's, yeah. it's the brain going before the body at this moment for Federer. In the Felix Lawson Hollis, certainly. Yeah. And then again here, like just not being able to, to pull himself yeah. sort of morale-wise back into this match. Anyway, so something to watch for Federer. I definitely do not think we've seen his last match period. Oh, I, am, no. I am very confident yeah. that he wants to play the U.S. Open. So we will 
keep on keeping on. Maybe he'll take a wild card into Washington with his buddy Rafael Nadal. You never know. Yeah, yeah I think, like, ultimately, I think it, it, it just, it would depend on, I mean, obviously he's talked about how, how Mirka and, and his family feel about him traveling, but also just how he feels on, on the court and, and whether he is able to, whether this comeback isn't just going to be as difficult as it has felt or if he's going to reach a point where he plays to a level that he's, even if he isn't winning, that he, if he loses to Hukash, it's in four tight sets, five sets, I don't know, not yeah. six, six love. I'm also, just one more thing on that. Yeah. It kind of shocked me that he'd only been bageled once in the 21st century to, to Nadal of the French Open. Like, that's the only time. That was time. really the only other bagel. Yeah, oh. I would have assumed that, like... Occasionally, bagel, yeah, yeah, like, one random, I don't know. Yeah, mini, I guess mini. you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's obviously right. But, like, I remember the Cincinnati final where he bageled Djokovic, that being surprising. Yeah. That was a memorable match. And then he went, it was 0-6, and, and there was a saber in there. That was a fun okay. match. Um, yeah, so, um, so... That's Federer. Any other dude thoughts on things that happened in the second week? Oh, we should mention the fifth set of Kachanov versus Korda. Oh my gosh. Yes. Karen Kachanov against Sebastian Korda. This fifth set was like nothing I've ever seen. Sorry. It's like many things I've seen many times in women's tennis, honestly, where just holes that serve made nothing. But to see this in a match between two guys who are six foot five and six foot six, respectively, yep. on grass, even like big serving guys. <laughs> Who are also not returning like amazing. Like this, this fifth set was wild. It was uh, 10-8 in the fifth, ultimately after 13 breaks of serve, many many breaks of serve in a row. Hatchinoff failed to serve it out, I believe, three times in a row, um, and and he like admitted afterwards it was nerves. It's funny because Court afterwards was just like I think it's inexperience. He was like, yeah, we were both returning really well. I was like, I don't know about that. And then Hatchinoff was like, no, we were both just like terribly nervous. They had very different takes on it. Um, Corda, I'm happy to say, was pretty upbeat about it was not taking it too hard, um, and he shouldn't. You know, it's his first time playing this tournament for men's, and he made it to the fourth round, which is great, um, and could have won that match. Um, probably wouldn't have had much of a shot against Shapovalov in the, in the next round. But, uh, yeah, he, he had a, himself a really nice tournament, beat Dan Evans soundly. Um, yeah, but that was that was a wild scene. What yeah. were you thinking as you were watching that, that match? I was just confused, honestly. It was, and I was just... <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I get, like, Kachanov in particular would say that it was nervous because he was, you know, that's, that was his, he, you know, he should have closed it out. He was the one in the ascendancy who couldn't, yeah, couldn't finish, could not. And yeah, it was just crazy. And also just within the, the match itself, there were barely any breaks, you know, there was like... There were only six breaks total through the first four sets. Yeah. And then, and then went, 13 breaks in the fifth yeah, set. Just that in itself, I've, I've never seen anything like... Um, no. And yeah... Another so another men's thought would be just just quickly Felix. Yeah, it was, he had a, just that he had a nice tournament. He beat uh, Zverev. It ended. I don't know. It, it it felt given he's made obviously so many finals and lost them, and they're good tournaments in itself. But those they always end on kind of like an iffy note where you're you know for obvious reasons. But it was nice to see him have a good tournament, end on a good note, and yeah. like, move on. I mean, it ended with him losing to Berrettini, but yeah, it generally but, did end. I with... mean, yeah. Positivity. You're right. Yeah, that yeah. was a good one. From I, it was one of those things where, like, seeing him not be a good closer on tour level for so long, I did, I was not did not have a lot of confidence in yeah. him closing out the match against Zverev. Um, but Zverev wasn't amazing in that match either. Not a great match, honestly. Like, yeah. you know, level wise, but good win for Felix. So hopefully, it can inspire some confidence for him down the road. Because, like, I think that like he needs like I guess a little bit more. Just sort of like 
I mean, swagger sounds lazy, but like it doesn't always seem like his his belief is totally there. Like I think he has like a lot of like gifts, obviously, in his game and physically and 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 and, te- and technique wise and everything. I think he's a very solid player. But I just I feel like he's missing kind of an edge yeah. to him. You know? Yeah, I think I, I agree with that for sure. Also, I just I want to see more him. I mean, whether it's with Tony or not, just to see his game like develop more. Which I, mean, I heard he's not working with Tony anymore. I might I, be wrong with yeah, that. So I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But I heard. Mm. I mean, he wasn't there. Uh, no. Yeah, I just like to see his game kind of develop more and just become more well-rounded. Because I think that that's you know when he was younger, that's what everyone saw. It, thought they thought he would develop into I don't know someone who whose defense was as important as his attack, whereas. It's, 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 it's more one-dimensional than... People. But it's one of those things where being well-rounded can, at some points, it's level be nothing special. You know, like, I think it's kind of can be a little bit good to have, I don't know, for me, like, more of a clear plan in yeah. your game. And I don't know that he has... Like, Berrettini. Like, Berrettini clearly has things he does out there. And, like, it's a very specific way of playing and winning matches for Berrettini. And I don't know if I can describe Felix's tennis in the same way at this point. Maybe I'm just stupid. Always on the table as an option, but I don't. I don't see it as being as like clearly uh, imagined from his side at this point. When he's still young, obviously, as we keep saying with him, um, and he's got time. This is a good result to make a make this quarter and beat Zverev. On to the women. Yeah, women's draw has the final tomorrow between Ash Barty number one and Carolina Pliskova, who is the eighth seed, ranked number thirteen though, which means that this will be the fifth slam in a row. That has no matches between two top ten ranked WTA players, which is a wild, wild stat. The wilder stat, though, I feel like this women's Wimbledon final. Have you seen this stat? I tweeted it also, so maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. This Wimbledon women's final is the first Wimbledon women's final to feature two players who neither of them have ever been in Wimbledon final before since. See if you can figure it out. Talk me through your thoughts as you figure it out. Um, well, I just went. The first thought was two thousand, and, and I don't know. It just felt like a long time ago, and that, and that Venus was that was her first time, so that's not it. Um, did ninety seven? No, I can't even remember who Vingas beat in that. She beat Novotna, who'd been okay, in one yeah, before. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. Let me just tell you, nineteen seventy seven. Nineteen seventy seven. Famous Wimbledon here. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Wade. Virginia Wade beating Betty Stova. Betty Stova. Yeah. yeah, so Betty Stova gets a, a rare shot on the pod. Um, yeah, but that's crazy to me considering how much upheaval there's been in women's tennis that, like, for some reason, the Wimbledon finals have had some continuity. And this one doesn't feel random at all because obviously, number one, Barty, who's a junior champ here, and we know her grass acumen since a long time. That's Pliskova, who has won Eastbourne, who's three, won... Three grass titles. Yeah, it's got grass titles and always been growing grass, which is for whatever reason, had never been able to bring her best at this tournament. Um, and I think she really has kind of not a lot of build-up to it this year for her. She made a Rome final, obviously, and got a big old in that Rome final. <laughs> um, but, you know, not she lost her first her two matches on grass this year. But here she's been really, really good. She had a tough draw from jump, which I think maybe helped her a bit. And she started against Tamara Zidancic. You're, you're, you're kind of shaking your head. I think this was a tough draw. Zidancic, who just made a Grand Slam semifinal. Just made a Grand Slam semifinal. Then Vekic, who's a very good grass score player. Then she played uh, Martinkova, who's not... That's not the toughest draw. But then she played um, someone... Uh, uh, mm, uh, oh, Samsonova. Great win. Yeah. Considering how hot she's been. And then she beat... Or Samsonova. And then she beat uh, Golovich, who had just beaten Madison Keys in a match you wanted to make sure we mentioned. So... 
Yeah, and then she goes out and beats Arena Sabalenka in the semis in a in a great match. And yeah, I I, I think Pliskova is playing great. I'm a, a, people who listen to the show know I think hopefully that I'm a big believer in her and her gifts and her talent. And I think absolutely if she's having a good enough day, she can have chances against Barty. I think I mean it's gonna be inter- it's gonna be a very interesting kind of clear easy to imagine match, right? Where, where Pliskova will be getting the free points on serve and hitting the clean big power flat shots, and Barty will be trying to mix it up um and i don't know which one of those will prevail on the given day but i think it, i i have high hopes for this final i hope i hope it's good yeah i mean my my counterpoint is that it, it wasn't a tough draw but anyway but, it's not first week i mean i mean yeah i, I think it was fine first, I, I don't first two rounds i'm not saying it was sedanchik and vekic as your unseated players have to play when you're a seed i think that's yeah. tough but vekic has been i think she's coming back vekic has injury. been a great force on grass for years yeah you're for right. sure for yeah sure, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah yeah <laughs> no i agree with anyway <laughs> anyway, the point is that yes, yeah, she, she's playing well, and, and she, you know she built into the semi-final without dropping a set. And then, like this, the last two sets against um, Sabalenka were kind of flawless. Like in the first set, she was dominant. Yeah, she played. She, yeah, was, she, she had, mean, like, she, it was honestly incredible for her to lose that set and then not be bothered by it. And Courtney asked yeah. about that in press. Actually, it was funny. Yeah. And like, cause she had eight break points and didn't convert yeah. any of them. And then, and then uh, Sabalenka got her first break point, and Pliskova double faulted. Talk about something that would lead to collapse for some people, but like, but she settled in. She because she calmed down, rebooted, and got herself back in it and, and 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 ahead quickly. And yeah, I was I was super impressed by by her. And I did a, I did a story with I did an interview with her, which was the first time I talked to her in a while. And I just was again, just really enjoy her around yeah. and her bluntness and her. We, we like. Yeah. I like honesty in my players. I think that's a huge huge thing to, as as someone who's trying to tell the truth about the sport, to appreciate the people who are less filtered. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And on the other side, should mention Barty semi-final, um, of course, against uh, Kerber, Kerber, which was to me one of the best big match, maybe the best big match she's played in in her life. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, what would even compare? Yeah. Because yeah. the the French Open final against Vantrosha was a joke because Vantrosha was terrible, and then the <laughs> semi-final against Anisimova was, uh, was a, a complete a joke fest. From, oh, completely. Yeah. Right, yeah. so then, like, yeah, she's had some good wins, and actually, actually, something that Courtney and I talked about this year uh, during Miami—that Miami was actually we thought her most impressive title of her yeah, career yeah, yeah, in yeah. some ways because she was playing the big players. Now she won Shenzhen too, but sure. but something about Miami, obviously, being a more traditional tournament, like what she did there, beating Andreescu in the final and having wins over Sabalenka yeah. and I guess Svitolina, I'm trying to remember in yeah. that semis, maybe like that was a really really solid yeah. tournament for her. And like, and what's interesting about Barty is like her career is kind of going in this weird order where like it's almost she's not a slamless number one, but she's like. And number one, who's like hasn't won big slam matches at this or over this, you know, has she ever beaten a top ten player at a slam? Yeah, she beat Kvitova at the Australian Open in twenty nineteen. That might be it. That might be it. Or twenty twenty. Yeah, that might be it. I'm not sure. Um, like, and obviously the rankings are wonky now, and so that's a big part of the stat because you know there's certain players floating around in the top ten who, at various different ways, are not really deserving of having those spots in terms of power rankings right now. Yeah. Um, but it's been great seeing Barty. Barty, I feel like, has been absolutely the protagonist of this women's tournament. Um, she got put on there for her first match on the on the Tuesday, that secondary honor they give the women's champion, and they gave it to her this year because uh, Halep wasn't here. And then, uh, yeah, and then played almost all but one match on center, I believe, and she played her fourth round out here on court one against Krejcikova, which is a good match too. Um, yeah, she's just like. She's been there. She seems to be believing. She's confident. She's embracing the whole Gulagong 50-year thing as a yeah. narrative for herself. Um, 
I've yeah, I've just been impressed by her. I think either one of them would be really, really satisfying champions for me. I, I love seeing players who are the slamless number ones getting a slam eventually. I think that's like really fun, like redemption for them because they become punchlines unfairly. I think a lot of times. I love I like seeing that with Wozniacki when she got it. Would like to see that for Pliskova too. Um, Pliskova, I do think her best tennis is better than Wozniacki's best tennis, honestly. And I also think Pliskova played really well in her one previous slam final against Kerber, which is at 3-1 in the third. That was a good final. Uh, 2016 US Open. So, you know, yeah, I'm happy with this one. I'm looking forward to it. I am gonna gonna enjoy it, I hope. I mean, it, it might suck. You never know. But I, 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 feel, I feel good about it. And yeah, I feel like Wimbledon delivers these doesn't well, the draws don't break here in the same way yeah. even when they do like in 2018 you had a when it was no top 10 seeds in the, the semis you got a curve arena final yeah. so not that it's, bad it's just it's just such like whiplash going from and i, I tweeted about this going from four first time semi-finalists in paris to th- you know the world number one two former number ones in the second seed just, yeah <laughs> but yeah, it's good. Let's talk about the second seed briefly. Uh, Sabalenka made made her first uh, semifinal here as, after making her first quarterfinal. Um, I was really impressed by her quarterfinal play. I thought she came out and handled that occasion really, really well, not knowing how she'd be on, you know, on that stage in that moment. What did you make of Sabalenka here having her, her best finish? And obviously came close. Even if I did feel like that match was not as close in terms of level, I felt like Plisco was the better player the whole way. But what do you make of, of Sabalenka's whole run here? And do you think it, it, she's sort of broken the duck of at, course, at the yeah. slams? I think so, yeah. Uh, especially, you know, she was actually, there was even kind of more pressure because she came in as a second seed for the first time in, in yeah. her life, you know. And that's even, you know, you probably don't need that, especially when you're not the world number two. But she she handled it well. As you said, like, she played great, you know, against against Jabir, who, who, yeah. who was... Who, was was actually probably the protagonist of the first week. I agree. Yeah, um, Jabir was fantastic. Yeah, she was. Yeah, it was. I mean, we talked about this before. Like, I, just how she kind of just announced herself to. This. I really thought Jabir had a shot at winning this tournament. Like the way she was playing, because I thought that when she was and she had several times when she peaked, and I feel like there's a lot of players on both trials actually who've had these moments where they just sort of like, whoa, yeah. like Berrettini second set today, like Jabir in that stretch against Muguruza. Where you know, like people just become like unt- hit these yeah, sort of yeah. like these sort of blue streaks or purple patches, as you call them over here, and <laughs> like I've never heard of blue streak. What go on? You never heard of blue streak? It's a movie too. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's fair. Um, <laughs> the purple patch, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah th- I thought I thought Jabir had that, and she played great in her win against uh, Shvantec in the fourth round yeah, yeah. in a really fun match as well. And so yeah, I thought she was set up. Really but, well to, to do big things. But her draw was just really tough. That's that's the thing, you know. Yeah. So when 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 you mentioned Pishkova's draw, yeah, it was tough. But it wasn't it wasn't like that. That's the tough draw for me. Well, playing, you know. Yeah, but Pliskova's an eight seed. And she yeah, twenty one. Yeah. I know, I know. But just in, in, in general, just like that. Yeah. That, that you know that draws matter, right? Yeah, you know, it draws matter tons. Because you can, you know, if you're Jabir, you, you could have, you could play that ascendant tennis against a, a Sam champion, but have. A match where you, you know it doesn't go right for you, but you get you work through. But yeah, um, I, I forgot what we were talking about. But. No, we were talking about about Sabalenka, and then we got to Jabir. Yeah, yeah. Then let's see what other matches we haven't really covered yet. Uh, Barty, oh gosh, okay, so let's talk about this whole section here. Um, Barty beats Tomjanovic after Tomjanovic in the round before played against Emma Raducanu. Or you have a different way of, different way of saying it. 
Ridukanu. So that's just good. Say I'm not 100 sure on that yet. This was a match that got a lot of attention. It took place here on court one. Uh, late in the day, uh, the schedule was weird and bad. Uh, they put this match, even though the men, women had to come back the next day, they put it as the last match on court one after a men's match. Very weird choice there, honestly. Um, going after the long Felix and Zverev match, uh, Radikana comes on, plays the first set against Alatom Yanovich. Tight first set, uh, close, loses at 6-4. And then, yeah, and then can you describe what happened the rest of the way? The next like thirty six hours of this match, basically. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, you want, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I, I mean, so at the end of the first set, she, you, you could see she kind of touched her stomach a bit and, and just wasn't in, entirely didn't seem a hundred percent and that more and more and then suddenly after some long rally, she was kind of hunched over and you saw doctors, you know, huddling in, in the corner and then at three love, she called the doctor on. Or the, you know, the medical staff, and then yeah, that that's when it just, you know, went to kind of a, a different direction, and, and you kind of saw like you could hear watching on TV, you could hear her breathing really heavily, and you, and the doctor was saying like, hey, just keep on breathing, you know, you're okay, you're okay, keep on breathing, and and then she went off the court, and then she never came back. No, it was a, uh, it was a rare off court retirement. Yeah, basically, I, I, don't, I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Last, I'm sure it's happened before. But I couldn't remember the, the last time it's happened where they basically said announced like Emirata kind of will not be coming yeah. back. Uh, retiring know. due to they didn't say the re- reason came hours later is breathing difficulty. She didn't do press. We didn't hear from her uh, that night really. Uh, then the next day she put out a statement and she did a BBC interview with with Sue Barker. Um, yeah, and then it started this whole conversation again about mental health and and when women's tennis. Uh, a little bit, some similar themes, I guess, to the, to the Osaka stuff that happened in Paris. But this one, I mean, I, it's one of those things where, like, this just seems, like, so obvious in a lot of ways. And I'm not going to, you know, give the, the, the old white men who try to get attention by saying things out of this, you know, name checks on this show necessarily mm. in general British media, um, whose names are mm. like, you know, I don't know, it's like docs, sort of. Yes. But, um, but there's, like, yeah, yeah, this is obviously incredibly stressful. Emirata Khan had barely played professional tennis yeah. since, during the pandemic. She's young. She had uh, no, very little experience at all. And she gets into this, like, right. cauldron atmosphere. We're in the stadium now. A stadium of, what, like 12,000 people, roughly, in, in court one? Yeah. Full. One, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's the capacity is one, two, three, four, five. Um, and, and yeah, and she gets overwhelmed by that. And, and you know, freaks out a little bit. And that's completely no, human. Yeah, yeah. It's completely human. It's crazy. It doesn't happen more yeah. on some level in this individual sport yeah. when you see, and then this comes also in the shadow of like, to use a different example, like Coco Goff, um, who's also in this tournament as the 17 year old, one year younger than Radicano, amazingly, they put her on center court every match. Yeah. Like, and I guess she's used to it at this point, but like Radicano had a great win on this court against uh, Kirstea in the third round. But yeah, like, I don't know, like, I, I just think it's like, I think it's fine. And I think that it's, I understand why, it, like, again, like the Osaka thing, especially after having just gone through the Osaka thing, I understand why, like, this resonates so much in the media, this sort of moment, um, and all the different things it touches on. But yeah, I, I hope she's doing okay. And I just think it was all like, super human, but not superhuman. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, I think most people who follow the sport recognize that and you know even for an 18 like 18 is young 
But for an 18 year old, she's even for that, for who would get on this stage, she's completely inexperienced. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's just the really frustrating thing about honesty, like, follow, even I'm sure, like, for fans and following tennis, is just the people who swooping in, in Grand Slams and just, you know, have just have to, on any subject, on, on all sides, and, and just have their opinions without. I could never like just follow, like swoop into a sport that I don't really know, and you know like go and watch hockey and just have these like loud, you know, opinions about like something. I I don't know. I just wouldn't have that confidence. I would want to make sure that I was right. And, uh, I'm just it's such a you know this is going off on a, a different kind of subject, but tennis being, you know, having these prominent stars and moments, but people not really following it on a day-to-day basis it's just such a it's a toxic it's 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 it feels like not unsustainable so you're trying a word for it but it feels like ripe for disaster right and this happens like this is not a new phenomenon i think it's a growing phenomenon but certainly like serena had this all more recently in the later stage of her career like you know 2018 us open everybody had takes about that and but almost none of them like knew like the code of conduct rules basically yeah. or the, the code violation rules um, that were sort of the the things and like they were like and then that one he gave her a game penalty for for that like well, like if he's gonna give her any penalty has to, anyway you know there's like context of stuff that like yeah the the, the locals if you want to call them that like that yeah. they hone in on and 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 loudly and and you know crassly and I I don't feel like the um, the McEnroe comments which got some blowback I don't feel like those were as bad from what I saw. I mean, he basically just sort of said what she said later, you know, like she was overwhelmed yeah. by the moment, essentially. Yeah. To, to I me, think. yeah. Um, but then, but yeah, but then, like, obviously, then Pierce Morgan is just going yeah. for it. Like, so, said so, his name, sorry. So, yeah. But regarding so the McEnroe comments, I think the issue was that, that, I mean, it wasn't really necessary to start, like, w- properly speculating immediately yeah, yeah. after it happened. That, to me, was, was the issue. And he can't, I mean, it's McEnroe. He went off on a completely random tangent and just, you know, it wasn't always coherent but like to, to me like I, like when i was listening you know he was trying to like be sympathetic yeah you know he was trying to say that you know the reason why he was giving an example and i say this is someone who you know i have issues with a lot of his coverage yeah but like he, he's someone who was trying to give examples of you know other people who had been in that position it wasn't the time or the place or the moment but whatever and it's so and it's completely different from those other people even though they got it got grouped together people who were saying she couldn't handle the pressure and that's bad those those are to me two completely different things i i I just have i will say a little sympathy is, is the wrong word but like i have some i think it's tough being live on air and having to react to something like radikanu um when it's happening when you don't know what's happening you're getting no information all you see is basically what we just described sort of she's breathing heavily she's leaving the court she's not coming back you know like if you're a paid commentator with a microphone and they say john what do you think or whatever in this moment like you know maybe cut someone some slack there i just yeah but this is obviously not normally a macro defense show i don't mean to turn it into one either i just think that yeah i just think it's a tricky issue and again obviously what i said before holds uh hope Emma's doing okay and, and can come back in some lower pressure environment wherever that may be and uh, and thrive or just you know and or, or grow from this experience too because obviously as a Brit Wimbledon the pressure will be there yeah. at different levels even if not quite ramped up at this high um, and you were said actually in, in an article you're quoted I think in a New York Times story that's coming out later at least in the version I filed first that you almost thought that like the sort of fervor of the of the England run uh, sort of uh, 
heated up the cauldron or the, the national temperature of sports to where it maybe boiled over a bit into Raducanu and, and gave her a yeah, yeah. More, more heat to handle. Yeah. I, I just say, like, um, you know, I, I wrote about, obviously, uh, I wrote about Raducanu and it was kind of just kind of funny to hear before this happened, Coco Golf was asked about, like, you know, coming back to Centre Court after 2019 and she was like, I can't, you know, I can't really remember. And it just, it just kind of hit home how it, this is just one tournament. It's one tournament in your life, you know, the good and the bad. Yeah. So it's not that, you know, if, if, you know, even if a player, and I don't mean Radicano, but even if a player does exhibit mental weakness, like who comes red, you know, mentally hundred percent ready, you know, you, it's, a, it's, it's a journey. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's growth. It's You're meant to have tons of shots at this, yeah. right? Look at how many shots it took, even while staying a top player, look at how many shots it took Pliskova to make another final at yeah, a slam, right? Yeah. When she was in the mix the whole way yeah. and ranked to where it wouldn't have been a shock the whole way. It took her finally falling out of the top 10 yeah. to have another week where she was able to do it. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, she'll have plenty of chances. Yeah. Everyone have, lots of people have plenty of yeah. more chances, and it'll it'll keep yeah. keep going that way. The, um, the loss, sorry, just, yeah. I was going to say just like the losses are kind of the point of tennis. Yeah. So... No, and the losses are not supposed to be easy either. Yeah. Like, there's some growing that happens from them for sure. Um, yeah. Any other, I'm trying to think of other things to talk about in the women's draw before we wrap this up? Uh, Kerber did well. Coco Golf, uh, one quick question. What do you think of Coco Golf's court assignments? Coco Golf played three matches in a row on center court, and two of them, the, th- the third one was against Kerber, who's a former champion, but the other two were against players who would never have come near that yeah. court on their own credentials. Vesnina. I guess former semifinals Vesnina, but um, not really. And then Kaya Yuvan. It's like, yeah, yeah. obviously, like, so w- is that is that good? Is that bad? Is that just is what it is? Because it, it's, it's remarkable. This player it's remarkable, yeah. this player who's not from this country and who has never broken the WTA top 20 is getting this kind of treatment because of her age. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a lot. Like, in general, of course, I'm as, unless it's, like, kind of horrific, I, I, I'm not as emotional about it as some people but like I, I i mean it's it's her age it's also about 2019 was like this kind of huge moment that yeah. seemed to just resonate around the world like i'll, I'll never forget like you know the, the just how many people were reading articles and how, how how much i mean i was like a lowly freelancer then how, how much people wanted me to write about it um you were never lowly tommy i'm still lowly no um and and so yeah, uh, just like that was a huge moment, and this was her return. So I, I get that. And like, so one thing that just stuck with me was against Kerber when, you know, I was speaking with someone else who was in in the uh, crowd as well, and like the crowd, you know, this was a, f- a former champion Angelique Kerber, and they were like supporting golf as if golf as if she was a Brit, like the, yeah. And so like, she, she, there was a, was a moment, and so the, I think that's it's not just her age; it's that. You know, she's so popular. Yeah, yeah, she's so popular, and she's yeah. just has a way of winning people over. Um, yeah, yeah, early on, people became very quickly attached yeah. to her in summer twenty nineteen. So yeah, yeah. I, I, like for, to me, like you, you kind of linked it to Raducanu. Like in that sense, like you just, I do think like chill, just just let her, you don't have to put her on the biggest courts. Let her, you know, build her career and whatever off it. But in terms of like popularity, let, let, like, let there be lines at court too. You know. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Even it, if the it, demand is there for her, you don't have to say satisfied. And time. especially as like, that's going to be you know, if her career goes well, 
there'll be many years for her to play on, on this course. So even from the sake of like a fan, getting getting to see her on court two or whatever, that's cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, but so yeah, from that sense, I, I think you should just chill. But I, I do get that she's. It's not just that she's young, but that she's she is like popular and prominent, and she's one of the people who you know if if you're you don't really follow tennis, but you see her, see the order of play, you're like oh. You know, I know her. Yeah. yeah, from from 2019. Like, I I think people still like on haven't quite grasped just how kind of a mo- how much of a moment like her breakthrough. Was. I remember that being very sharp about that in 2019. Just like I have feeling, and I've been that was I don't know what like my seventh Wimbledon at that point. Feeling very clear, like wow, like and, and other slams too. I covered about probably the same or more other slams. Being like, wow, I've never been in anything like this. Yeah, like just the sort of excitement. It was like this was must have been what Capriati was like when she was thirteen, yeah. doing this sort of thing. Like there is a different kind of hype and excitement and buzz that comes yeah. when it's someone really young doing this. And yeah, and, but then at the same time, like you see, and it's like everyone's like, oh, throughout the age rule, we don't need it. At the same time, then you see Emirata Kanu, who obviously is technically eighteen, but still brand new. And, and her and her having a tough time with, with that part of it. So anyway, that's probably a good amount for today's show. I, I think we covered stuff. I feel like I feel good about it. What has it been like for you, Tamani, uh, being at these matches? I'm not sure how many of them you've been at where you've been able to hear this and and, and hearing when like Bertini's at like four all thirty love in the in the in the third set today, and someone says uh, loudly in the crowd says Matteo, it's coming home. Mm. What, what what what? How do you feel? I just I just try to ignore it. You know. How do you feel about the whole homecoming overall? Just, it's fine. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I mean, we talked, to, I don't know why I'm saying this in a tennis podcast, but we, we talked about this before. I'm not the most enthusiastic England fan just historically, but yeah. the, the, this is a general, generally a, a good bunch of guys and a, a likable, sorry, a likable manager in Gareth Southgate. So I, hearing it, it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice, I guess, yeah. in a way. I was I was in my article and I don't know if this made it in the article, but I was coming up with like they're basically not showing the game on on Hemden yeah. Hill, which is the choice Wimbledon stuck to, which they could have done and I think would have been a popular decision, but they're not doing that. I was imagining things you could call you call it like Southgate Summit, or um, or Grealish Green, or uh, Kane Knoll, which is a silent K, not as good, works better okay. in print. And then there's also already a player on the team named Mason Mount. Which is fantastic. Okay. It's already the guy's already a hill. I'm I'm impressed at how many names you just. No. <laughs> that's impressive. I didn't know you, you knew more than like Look, the manager. It's coming home apparently, and I've I've, I've rented a room in this house. Fair so, okay. yeah, there you go. Um, thank you, Tommy, as always, me. and thank you to our backers whose names I will say here in a recording. We want to thank our Slam Champ backers, James Hendel, Susanna W., Anna Valinder, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Sean Mulroy, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Antonio Maycumber, Ashley Keel, Timothy Liu, Jean Simeon, and our special silent backer, and our GOAT backers, Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, and J.O.D. I was just listening to the Hump Coming Home song a ton as... I was writing this story, so it's going to be the outro here. Although I was tempted to put Shaggy. I don't know how much of the Shaggy was, <laughs> was audible earlier as the, as, the, as the cleaning crew here was playing that as they were doing our part of court one. But uh, yeah, thank you, Tommy. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad they have, they have good taste. Dude. I agree. I was, I was happy to hear that. It wasn't us. Bye, folks. I think it's bad news for the English game. We're not creative enough. We're not positive enough. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming, football's coming home.